Another episode of uh, Escape from Plan A. It's me, Teen. I've got Adam. Uh, Adam, how's it going, man? It's good. Uh, And also Adam's friend, Jen Kim. Jen, how are you? Hey, how are you guys? Pretty good. I think we're all in the New York area, right? Yes, indeed. Perfect day to podcast because I can't even go outside today. It's Um, (laughs) awesome. Jen, you're the... You're the vice president of also known as or AKA, right? Can you yes. tell us about that organization a little bit? So we're an international adoptee association in New York City and basically the tri-state area. So we do programming and events for anyone who's an international adoptee, you know, Ethiopia, Russia, Korea, China. Um, so our membership is about 100 people and we have events every month. Okay. And, and Adam, you you guys know each other through AKA, right? Yes. We, uh, we met uh, about six months ago, I think, uh, Jen, uh, at an event uh, with, that was thrown by our friend Kevin Kreider. Uh, and it was a forum on uh, like adopting men and masculinity and, and various issues. And there was a really surprising and really great number of women at that event, too. So uh, it wasn't just dudes. And, yeah, uh, we've talked. We've talked to Kevin <laughs> together before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Kevin's yeah. a good guy. So that's yeah. where I met Jen, and like you know, we've just it's been good. Okay, I see on Facebook that Kevin's in. Uh, he's in Bali eating vegetables. Yeah, so. <laughs> he was. I think he's back now. Though. <laughs> yeah, okay. We also did an event where we made mandu, which are Korean dumplings. That's right. That's right. That we did. Yeah. That's right. And uh, Adam really likes ginger. He's putting a lot of ginger in those dumplings. <laughs> really? So I was grating the ginger. That was, that was my one skill. Yeah. Huh. You know what they say about guys who really like ginger, right? We'll oh, get into what? that later. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. No, I have no idea. So. <laughs> Escape from plan A. idea for this podcast actually came up from my sister. A lot of people are very interested, a lot of Asian Americans are very interested in uh, Asian American adoptee experiences. I think one of the barriers is, is just this huge subjective experiential gap because it's so difficult to uh, imagine yourself um, as an adoptee. Right. Uh, and so one of the things that may be able to like... There are some curiosities, I think, that may be able to sort of bridge that gap. And so she was like, you know, one thing she was always curious about, and I realized I was as well, um, was just the, the, the sort of what, what, is the, what is the racial identity of right. an Asian person adopted into a white family? Because mm-hmm. for me, it's hard to know where my, say, ethnic identity begins. Uh, ends and the ethnic identity of my family begin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's sort of with the transracial adoptee experience, that's part of it that I think is really relatable in some sense, right? Because as Asian Americans, we live in um, a broader society that's not Asian, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, well, what happens when that comes into your home? So that's kind of where I wanted to take the conversation today. What do you think? Sounds good. That's really interesting to me because I never really thought that Asian people and Asian families would have 
sort of ethnic identity crises. And I didn't really think about that until about a year and a half ago when I met a large group of Korean people, Korean American people. So I, I think that's interesting, too. Yeah, because if you think about it, for most people, that ethnic barrier extends. I mean, if you grow up in an Asian family like I did, you know, that ethnic barrier only extends to your family. And then right beyond the walls of your house, right, you're kind of like an adoptee family in a way because you're in this sort of, uh, in, in my case, mostly non-Asian uh, neighborhood, right? Yeah, and so yeah. um, and so I think there is there is at that, at that level something. So, you know, qu quite a bit of overlap, but I'm just wondering what that, what that, what the gap is like. And so one of the things I wanted to ask was, especially now, especially in the past year uh -huh. or so, two years, um, you know, it's, it, 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 it's, it's surprising. It's, it, we take for granted, I think, how much the national conversation has shifted back towards race when for so many decades, you know, it really seemed like it was, uh, you know, racial issues and things like that were sort of taking a back seat and now they've right. become front and center you know so absolutely there. right yeah. it's it's really remarkable how much it's turned around and what happens i think is that when you're with your asian or your non-white poc friends let's say uh -huh. um there's a lot of conversation about white people yeah. sure. and yeah. those conversations are not especially now uh, are not always <laughs> Um, not very positive. They're not very positive about white people. And, you know, for me, it's not, there's really no problem to that. But I, I've always been curious, so what is it like then for someone who is not white themselves but has white family, uh, especially white parents? Yeah, I'd start by saying with what I tell a lot of adoptees specifically is wherever you are with this is okay. If you're thinking, you know, I'm so my culture where I was born in, or I'm so not that. It, it's fine. I mean, you may change your mind over your lifetime. I definitely did. But people have a difficult situation. And on top of that, they give themselves guilt about it. And I feel really bad about that. So I always say, wherever you are, is fine. You know, just go with that. Think about that. Um, but, you know, I don't think of myself as totally white. I don't think of myself as totally Asian. I kind of think of myself in the middle. Um, and I have a really good Korean American adoptee friend who says we're in a Korean adoptee nation is kind of like our own thing because we don't have that's to be true. either. We're not right. either. Like, and, and you know, that that's how he and I feel. Other people feel differently and that's fine. Um, I actually participated in a project a few years ago called the CAD Diaries and CAD is Korean adoptee and the artist is Zeke Anders and he had a stand where we felt comfortable between an American flag and a Korean flag. So some people oh, were way over on one side. Some people like me, we're right in the middle. Um, so wherever you are is fine, but the complication comes in when you have white parents. And if you do hear friends of yours who are people of color having difficulty with white people as a generality, you know, maybe being a bit harsh, <laughs> like we were saying, um, but you feel defensive of that because that's your family. And even if you don't agree with them, I certainly don't agree on political terms with my family, to be totally honest. And if they're listening, right. they know that. Um, <laughs> but... I feel defensive. You know, I, I just feel like you can't generalize about any group, but there is a lot of disparity right now, which is difficult. And I do feel in the middle of that, especially now. When you say there's political, that's interesting that when you say there's political differences between you and your parents, <laughs> let's say that's not uncommon in any family. Yes. Right. That, but do you, do you do you pin that on on at race to at some level? 
On some level, I do. I would say the main part of my family is in a certain um, e- economic and religious uh, background, and it's pretty uh, insular in a way. Um, and right. they live in a, a you know a certain geographical location and have you know a certain. You can tell I'm really trying to catch my words here. Um, you know, they, they live in an area that has very similar population. And um, so they have a certain view on things. And I live in an area that's much more urban, much more diverse. I've been kind of right. more out in the world in a way. Um, and I kind of think, you know, we, we think about the term white privilege. It's a major trigger word, especially now. Um, I talk to people For white about people, this. you mean? Oh, yes. I talk to people mm. about this and they're instantly defensive. They're instantly upset. They're instantly you know, thinking it's not our fault, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm not blaming. Blame is not part of this. It's about having a privilege and maybe not even realizing it. You know, you walk down the street, right. you go into a room, you write your name down somewhere. No one thinks twice about it. And but I it, almost think it's like water, like you're swimming in it. And then one day someone says you're in water and you're like, what? No, I'm not. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good way to describe it. It's um, like you teen, you talk about how you know, uh, differences between uh, children and their parents politically yeah. isn't uncommon for anybody, right? right. But uh, with that racial aspect, because, you know, we're people of color and our parents are white for the most part as Korean American adoptees, uh, it, it's difficult for them to, I think, wrap their heads around the fact that we experience the world not as a white person, right. uh, even though, you know, we were raised in very white areas. Uh, and by white people. So it, it, it can be tough. For, for teen, do your parents kind of think they can't imagine that you live in the world other than as an Asian person? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, like, you know, it's funny. I think it's very similar to what you're saying about white privilege. I, I think it's an assumption that uh, I don't think that they even question, right? Like, mm. it's not even something that's a conscious assumption. It's kind of like, yeah, we're all Asian. Yeah, like it, yeah, it's yeah. it's just not <laughs> right. something that's even thought about or even questioned, right? Yeah, and 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 maybe that's the that's the sort of does define the closeness of family in a sense. Um, is is this feeling of uh, uh of a subjective closeness to say we don't have these big gaps right. within the family? That's so right. True. Um, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think with my family, they pretty much think, oh, you're our daughter. You're not necessarily Asian, and we don't think of you as any different. But when I walk around and experience the world, I'm certainly feeling that. Um, exactly, you know, exactly. I hear this from a lot of um, transracial adoptees. You grow up and you think you're the race of your family. So I grew mm-hmm. up, I thought I was white <laughs> for a really long time. Um, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I think it's a uh, Well, yeah, absolutely. It's very hard to explain that to people who aren't adopted. They're like, well, look in the mirror, man. And you're like, no, it's something in your head. It gets in there. I don't know. It, it sure. does. It does. And the, sure. and people have a realization at some point in their lives. Uh, and it just shocks them. It really does. It does. They, they, they look really in the mirror does. and they're like, what the fuck? Whoa. Like, what? <laughs> what? But that, you know, you know I mean? that's interesting because I do know, I do know, uh, Adam, actually, we know, like, you know, Asian, Asian people, uh, Asian Americans who grew up. In Asian families, yeah, yeah, that also had that look in the mirror moment. And if you go back and read um, that Wes Yang article, Paper Tigers, it, it kind of opens with that same thing. I think he grew up in a you know in, with Korean parents, 
But he also had a moment, you know, he opens up his article about saying he looked in the mirror and was like, oh, shit, I'm crazy. You know? <laughs> you know? I mean, it's probably similar, but uh, it's different. But yeah, it's a similar oh, I'm experience. sure. I'm sure of a, uh, I'm sure it's different, but is it a d- difference of, um, is it a difference of degree? I'd say it's a difference of degree more than kind, for sure. Yeah, I think so. I, I'm wondering that because, you know, I think that the... Um, uh, the 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 influence of parents is very strong when you're very young, but it sort of yeah. it, it becomes lesser over time. You know, as you become a social being, right? And yeah, you get, that, that's you know, true. Yeah, and, and for myself, just uh, you know, I, I was adopted with my brother, so mm-hmm. I always had another Asian face uh, mm-hmm. in my life, like in mm-hmm. my family, like in the house. So yeah. it was it was a, a bit harder for me to sort of just uh, trick myself into thinking. Mm-hmm. I didn't look a certain way. I guess it's just something I never thought about for a really long time. I mean, I don't think I thought about yeah. it until my later 20s. Um, I have a Korean adoptee brother and a sister. We're not biologically related so, so much as I know. Um, and I, I did grow up in an area that had Asian people, um, fair amount of people, I'd say, but um, still kind of in that similar economic, even sometimes religious sort of background. It's an interesting dynamic, and I think... Uh, I just go back to the fact that uh, it's very hard, I think, for the parents uh, because they realize sort of even if they don't want to vocalize it or really admit it to themselves that, uh, you know, being a person of color in America is not always a great thing. And then they don't want to see that. Yeah. And then, they, you know, and then they realize they know, obviously, that their children are, are people of color. And they then often they, don't they believe make... me, <laughs> and I try to explain. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. It's a real right, thing. right. Well, <laughs> and, and that's why I say that I think that they know it deep down, and that's part of sort of where a little bit of the defensiveness comes in mm-hmm. because they don't want to realize that you know they put two and two together, right? They're like, well, being a person of color in America is not the greatest at all times, and my son or daughter is a person of color, and you put two and two together, and they're like, oh shit, like. You know, their experience isn't going to be the same as mine. It's going to be negative in a lot of ways. Uh, so it, I think some of that defensiveness is from a fear. And then them realizing that they, they're not equipped to teach us how to cope with that. Because, yeah. you know, they're white people. They don't have to deal with it. I mean, that's a lot of self-awareness. I think that's the hope. And from talking to a lot of international adoptees, that realization isn't there. Um, there are maybe some not, parents, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, there are some parents that are like, you know, you're, you're white now, just don't worry about your other culture, that's not you at all. And you may feel that way for a long time, as, you know, Teen was saying, your parents sure. are a much bigger influence when you're younger, and you grow up and you're like, wait a minute, oh no, <laughs> it totally can yeah. change sometimes. It, it, it can take years, and some yes. parents, and some parents don't uh, ever have that realization. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I was talking to you earlier, my, my, uh, my dad is Jewish was Jewish. And um, I think part of his experience being a Jew growing up in like the, the 50s and 60s, uh, where there was, you know, well, now there's a lot of overt <laughs> anti-Semitism, but there was, you know, there was more of that culturally in the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he sort of could understand it a little bit more because uh, he experienced it. But, you know, sort of his white passing, he, he didn't look Jewish in that sort of stereotypical way. Yeah. Uh, but my mom was, you know, was like, what? You know, she's Catholic from the, you know, the, the, the South. So she had no, no idea. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I know it's all relative. I have had white friends say they've been discriminated against and uh, whether they were Greek or Italian or just something that wasn't... Oh, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, what is white, right? I mean, it's an amalgam of many things. Sure. Um, but, you know, they're like, oh, I, I, I was discriminated against walking down the street. I'm like, it's not the same as if you're Asian or black. Like, it's right on your face. You know, you That's can't not at it. all. Exactly. I have a friend who's just so lovely but she grew up in an area where there were no asian people at all she's an yeah. adoptee and she used to wear sunglasses because she didn't want people to know she was asian which is adorable and heartbreaking and obviously they still knew but it's just sort of thinking yeah. about that kind of blows your mind a little bit yeah that's that's where you know i hear of experiences like that and then you know your friends who are i'm sure they're trying to be supportive and whatever yeah. but it's just not the same. <laughs> it's just it's not. not the same. So, <laughs> you know, I get I get a little annoyed uh, yeah. in my worst moments. I get angry about it. Right. But uh, I think, mm. Teen, also your sister wanted to know, uh, you know, sort of our experiences with whiteness, right? Whether we sort of had a proximity to it by our upbringing. Was that one question she had? I think so, because in our family, like... It's funny when you just going back a sec to what um, Jen was saying about the 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 gap in understanding between adoptive adoptive parents and adoptees adoptive children. Uh, growing up in an Asian family, there it, there is some also a gap I would say between the first generation immigrant parent and the second generation children because if you talk sure. to a lot like if you talk to my parents. Uh, and a lot of their friends, they'll say they'll say the same thing, which is like, you know, it was very tough for us, right? Because we come from, we're, we're Asian, we're Chinese, we're you know whatever, and we come here and we had to adjust to life. But see, the second generation, you're you're just American, you're fully American, mm -hmm. so life will mm -hmm. be easier for you. Mm -hmm. So there is this sort of also that gap, uh, mm -hmm. in a way, yeah. it's much lesser, yeah. I'm sure. But there there's there's just this assumption that their kids are like, you know, just fully Americanized and fully integrated into. Uh, you know, into into the classroom and into the workplace and into social life and stuff, and it's not true, right? There are right, there's, right. there remains racial gaps that you know even your own Asian parents uh, won't understand, right? Yeah, and it does. It also comes from uh, look. There's a, there's just a huge gap of understanding between first and second generation as well, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because you know when you say stuff like. You know, I feel sort of e equally comfortable under the American flag or the Korean flag. I mean, I think that would be true also of a lot of, um, you know, a lot of Asian Americans with Asian parents. Wow, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, they so, have to be on that spectrum. That's I don't true. know why that's such a revelation to me, but it really is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, maybe it's that distance. Like, maybe there is that, that you know, that, that um, the lack of mutual understanding between... Uh, you know, between adoptee and non-adoptee Asians, um, that the uh, non-adoptee Asians may have these fully intact, fully uh, em em empathetic family relationships, mm -hmm. uh, when in fact, I think the, you know, the Asian immigrant families are full of divisions and lack of <laughs> yeah. understandings yeah, as yeah, well, yeah. but Very true. just maybe not as severe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember when I was in my 20s and I had a friend and she was Korean and she was being really discriminatory against Chinese people. And I was like, wait, you're Asian. You're being racist against other Asians. That happened? What are you doing? What are you talking about? I didn't know. <laughs> well, yeah. And once you learn more about it, you're like, okay, I understand why. It's still fucked up, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know why it happens because they're they're old. They're all, you know, they're uh, old old school uh, grudges. <laughs> yeah.
uh, getting back to the original question, like in the West Yang article, the Paper Tigers one, uh, which is something I, I I think a lot about when when um, when say Adam and I talk about adoptee stuff. There was a really interesting to me. The best passage of that was when he talks about this high school, this uh, Chinese kid. I think he's one and a half generation and really high achieving student at Stuyvesant High School in Manhattan, mm-hmm. right? And but his family is like really, you know, it's like working class family. His parents are like never home, and you know they don't really speak English and stuff. And he's dating this white girl, right? His girlfriend's white. And one day she invites him over to her house for dinner and he has this realization right. about what's missing in his life. And he was like, it was, it was dinner. It was sitting at that right. dinner Whoa. table with yeah, my, yeah, American, I remember that part. Yeah. With my, you know, with my, uh, with white parents or Americanized parents. Mm-hmm. I don't know if race was really what he was getting at, but you know, they would sit around, they would talk about life about their schooling about what was going on in the pta and then they mm-hmm. would play after dinner they would clean up and then they would play board games and they would chat oh. and chat more and he was saying that that's what was missing in his life was this sort of like family life conducted in english in the american manner that's where the education was really happening yeah i talked to a korean american friend and she said at her thanksgivings and family dinners there's no conversation i was really surprised <laughs> i was like Oh my God, I talk to my parents about everything. <laughs> you can't even stop yeah, sometimes. It, it is one of those aspects of my life that, you know, it happened all, you know, we we had dinner together every night, mm-hmm. uh, practically. That I wonder whether it was, um, it's that common in American, white American life. And I guess it is. Like, as, the, as I hear more about the stories and everything, it seems like that's the norm rather than the exception. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that is one of those things, I think, in terms of cultural Americanness that mm-hmm. we did get because yeah. we were raised by, you know, white American families, uh, yeah. that it seems like as we, as I read more uh, and interact more with Asian American people, uh, they didn't get, uh, depending on their, you know, the generation, if they're like third or fourth, maybe they do, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's definitely an issue of between second and one and a half right. gen and the immigrant parent. Right. Because right. Like in my family, we, we definitely had a lot of family talk, but, it was of a different kind because my parents, they talked a lot about stuff that wasn't really relevant to my life. They talked about old friends that I'd never met. They talked about, you know, they talked a lot about home and, sure. and, and home to them was China and Taiwan, right? And so these these things took on a special amount of importance in the family. Like in the house, these things mattered a lot. But then when you step outside, you realize like, you know, where you come from is a little beyond nothing in the consciousness of the rest of America, Right. And so there was this sort of disconnect between what your family was talking. You know, this this kid that Wes Yang was talking about, it, one of his problems was also that his parents were never home. Uh, but my parents were home, but right. then when we, and we did talk, but it, we just didn't talk about stuff that acculturated us into with our other classmates who were having, you know, conversations about American issues and, and American things, right? Mm-hmm. And so you, your family, right. you know, your family life does sort of have this sort of bubble quality to it. And it's not integrated. It's not. It it doesn't talk about the things that, as an American, you need to understand and know, right? And so, wow. there's that missingness. And so, I guess the 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 quest the question I've always wondered about, and I guess my sister was wondering too about um, the adoptee experiences. Do you is that a form of white privilege that you can access? 
being in an American home in a, in a white, particularly a white home where you are granted um, access to that inner American white family life of acculturation. It's not just about skin color. It's not just about right. race, but it's about that home life. You know, does that. I don't know. I does that yes. mean, I mean it does also, that come across as something that is maybe a form of white privilege? I, I think it can also come from your name. I mean, I used to have an Italian last name. Um, I was married for a time. I had an Irish last name. Now I have my Korean last name, and and that does change things. I mean, in the past, um, I would show up and uh, you know for a job or such, and they would say, "Oh, we thought you were going to be an Italian girl." And I was yeah, like, nope, yeah, that, ha- me. that happens to me. <laughs> So they certainly had assumptions about that before they even met me. Um, And I think, you know, people always are going to ask members of minority groups questions. Um, When I was younger, it bothered me a lot. Now I don't mind because I kind of know more about myself. Um, So I don't know. I think that they'll, they'll make assumptions because you come from white parents and they'll think, Oh yeah, you're totally Americanized and you don't really care about your culture. Although, or they'll look at you and say, Oh, you're totally Korean. You don't care about white culture. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, there are a lot of assumptions about that. And, you know, my parents used to say, Oh, it's not a big deal. They're just curious. And I was like, it's none of their business. <laughs> so it can really affect yeah. you that way. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think there is some soft power. Like Jen is saying, there's a soft power to it, not just the name, but also just the experiences. But, um, you know, in a lot of situations, no right. one knows where you you came from. They don't know how cultured you are. Uh, they don't know your name at all. Uh, so, you know, it, it helps in a lot of areas, but it also doesn't have any impact in other areas. Because as you said before, Jen, you know, who you are is sort of your ethnicity, at least, and your race is painted on your face. Yeah, you meet so, them and you're like, okay, cat's out of the bag, surprise. But there is an assumption embedded in that, in in in. in that what white privilege is or access to it is being um, seen as white, right? I guess what I'm wondering, though, is, yeah, but what I'm wondering is, like, and in, in knowing Adam for, for a while, like, I'll, I'll say one thing is that, Adam, you have, like, really naturally occurring opinions about stuff that, <laughs> like, I've never really thought about, about, and, and I'm talking just basic shit, like, basic bro shit, right, like, right. sports teams, <laughs> like sure, sure. politics you know like th- just the sort of like fundamental the basic axes of opinions that constitute being american I, right I, like you may not be that, able to perceive it um because it's just so natural to you but uh, i do might, think that, like yeah. you, you you know and and i'm i'm almost certain that that comes from your family no no i i, I definitely feel like because of my particular family, and also just because of their Americanness, uh, it, it does help in situations where you know once you mm-hmm. get into a social situation, at a job or just out in the world, you know how to act, you know how to behave, you know the the cues, you know the beats. Um, so it does help a lot in, in that regard. Exactly. Uh, exactly. It, the it cues really. And the it beats. really does. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It really, really does. And. and you know, there's no, I don't think you could say that it, it doesn't because it's just sort of self-evident. Um, and, right. you know, in terms of my particular opinions about stuff, <laughs> I, guess, I, I think my, my father was always very opinionated. So we, we got it from him. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if <laughs> that's an American thing. I, I've met a lot of uh, American people that don't have nearly as many opinions as I do. 
Same. Right. I think also having a privilege of having white parents. And I was dating someone who thought, oh, thank goodness you don't have foreign born parents. I'll be able to speak with them and I'll be able to speak English with them. And at the time, I didn't really think about it. And now I think, well, that's a little weird. But, you know, I don't know. At the time, I just wasn't as self aware. No, it, it, it's a. Uh... If that's an issue, I think some people worry about it, especially if it's going to be obviously worrying about it too early in the relationship is sort of weird. But, yeah. um, you know, later on, yeah, it's an issue. It, it, it's it's something. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that I notice is that, um, you know, a lot of most people benchmark their own experiences, uh, you know, regardless of who you are. But you bench, we benchmark our own experiences against whiteness as a sort of standard. Right. So we're always interested in the gap between ourselves and white people. What we don't often do, like for example, like how, how much of the, um, let's say exploration of adoptee experience is really between the gap between Asian adoptees and non-adoptee Asians versus adoptee Asians and white people, right? Um, I think that's something that maybe less, is that is that less explored or? So you're saying exploring yourself as an adoptee versus your parents and exploring yourself as an adoptee versus people who are of your own ethnicity? That's what you mean? Exactly. exactly. Like adopt, Asian adoptees, uh, you know, a lot of what I hear is is about the experience of being, um, you know, not white um, versus, um, you know, being Asian but without Asian parents. Sure, sure. And being not mm -hmm. Asian. And, you know, I said earlier, I didn't really feel comfortable around a lot of people who were Asian American, or I guess you would say Asian Asian or recently arrived Asian. Um, I didn't feel comfortable with a lot of people for a long time. I felt like this guilt or this criticism, like, oh, you don't speak right. Korean. Why didn't your parents teach you? And then you tell them you're adopted. And they're like, oh, and you're like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> you don't have to yeah, think like that. Yeah, it's a whole conversation. Yeah. That's a whole it's conversation. It's like, a, oh, your parents must have been so wonderful. And they are, but I don't really believe in the um, kind of, again, trigger word, white savior sort of thing, at least in my family. I don't think that's yep. Yep. kind of a thing, but I didn't explore the kind of relating to Asian Americans, other than kind of close friends growing up, um, I didn't explore that until just a few years ago. And it kind of shocked me that it took that long. But I have found people that are very accepting. And it's not a thing. It's not like this ever present, you know, adoptee sign on your face. They just they just kind of accept me, which is nice. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a lesser explored part of uh, the of uh, I think adoptee I wonder why. Uh, identity. Um, you know, I think because our families are sort of really central, right? And uh, a lot of the, the our families are white, so people are going to naturally, I think, uh, start analyzing that aspect. Yeah, uh, of being and I adoptee. think Teen said something before about people who are not adopted being very curious about adoptees and how adoptees right. may not be forthcoming about that. Some of that I think is inherently that we can be very mistrusting. You know, a lot of people don't know their yeah. stories. I certainly yeah. don't know yeah. my, my birth story at all. And you just like, you don't know where you came from. You don't know who to trust. There have been agencies who have lied, paperwork that's been misplaced and changed. So we're not <laughs> an inherently um, yeah. quickly trusting group. And I have had Korean Americans, Asian Americans come to me and want to kind of present ideas to the community. And I'm very protective. I mean, being vice president of an association, yeah, I think I have to really monitor that. And there's been a lot of surprise. Oh, hey, I'm offering you this thing. Why don't you just get excited about it. I'm like, no, no, we need to understand what this is about. You know, I need to present something that I believe in and that I'm comfortable with. And if I'm not, and yeah, I'm absolutely. that doesn't make me feel really good. And it's hard to pass it on. I mean, to that, I would say, 
um, I think again there is uh, a sense of of understanding on my part as uh, as a non adoptee non adoptee Asian that um, you know even even growing up with your biological parents um, as second gen there is still this massive discontinuity in your family timeline. Uh, caused by not just immigration, but also the circumstances in which a lot of our parents were born in the 40s, 50s, 60s, where it was, you know, a seriously chaotic time in Asia. And so uh, I don't have, for example, much knowledge of my family past my parents. I barely know my grandparents, knew my grandparents. Um, Yeah, I know nothing of life in Asia, really. I mean, I've spent time there, but not... Yeah, I don't know what it's like to really live or be of Asia. And so when you say that, you know, you felt a certain certain kind of guilt is an interesting word around uh, Asian Americans, non-adoptive, non-adoptee Asian Americans. I, I felt I would say that that word would kind of also describe the way I felt around, say, my like cousins mm-hmm. and, and other people who grew up in and also one and a half gen, actually, uh, Chinese. Right, right. Um, that, you know, when I was young and, and you know, went back to Taiwan, people always say this, you know, they, they make assumptions about um, how Asians, you know, worship Westerners and if you speak English or the <laughs> shit. Well, that was not the case in Taiwan when I was there. They, they, were, they were really like, who, you can't read Chinese? I remember, like, people would be shocked that I couldn't read you know, you know, things that were put in front of my face. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And my dad had to explain <laughs> to them. They're like, yo, my son grew up, grew, was born in America. He, you know, we don't learn Chinese characters here. And they, you know, shop owners and people, they would just look on with this sort of like feeling of like disgust. Like, yeah. what? So you went you know? that, wow. Yeah, I mean, not, not, um, I mean, in a very, very limited context in a way that didn't really affect my day to day. Right. Only sure, only sure. for the few weeks or so that I was in Taiwan or whatever. Mm. Uh, but 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 it does stay with you in the sense that, you know, it does bring up. Se- I think the second gen there are second gen problems that I would say or second gen issues. I wouldn't say problems, but that second generation issues uh, that in a way to just based on what you're saying and what Adams told me in the past, it, it does kind of closely track, but maybe just difference of degree. Um, but it's not a completely alien or unimaginable uh, feeling. I would no, it's, it's true. And I think it's true, what we're yeah. talking about, too, about having parents who are white, that does give us a privilege in the sense that they didn't have to fight to fit into society in their current state, you know, in their generation, or at least my parents' generation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, they weren't trying to make it in America, per se. They were, you know, my dad was employed full time and he had his place and um, you know, being in a, again, a certain economic bracket or not having to deal with the language barrier that, you know, is something that he didn't have to deal with. So thus I didn't have to experience that. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, as, as I've gotten to know you better teen that, you know, the, the similarities between the experiences, uh, are, I wouldn't say it's shocking, but it's, um, it's a, it's a realization that I've come yeah. to. And, wow. um, it's very, very interesting. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, it, it's very interesting to, to talk about it and especially what you're t- describing about going back to Taiwan and like just the assumption that you're going to know the language because, you know, you look like you should, uh, you know, that happened when I went back to Korea and the, the, the re- there are various reactions you get <laughs> from yes, Korean exactly. people yeah. when you tell them that you're, uh, you're an adoptee yeah. and, you 
you know, I, I because of the 1988 Olympics, uh, the um, Korean adoptee sort of situation to America in particular became a, a big story. And so I think uh, Koreans have a little bit of shame right. <laughs> in them when they when they realize that they're in front of a, 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 a child that was sent away. Especially, I think, uh, people of a certain age. Uh, the young people don't care. But, uh, you know, the people who are 50, 60, 70, 80, older. Yeah, I've had people and who are there's a guilt. They have a guilt. <laughs> they do. I've had people apologize yeah. to me. And I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, yeah. it's not your fault, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you didn't do it unless you did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd say in Korea, I don't feel entirely comfortable. I've been there twice. Um, for the most part, I was around and with adoptees for the most part, but even just kind of right. walking around the street, I didn't feel great. I didn't feel connected to it. Um, but watching I the have Olympics to say, now, I love it. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. So. Watching the Olympics now, I'm having really strong reactions. I mean, I was almost crying to, during the opening ceremonies and I talked to <laughs> Korean American friends who felt the yeah. same thing and they felt pride and I did too, but Absolutely. I also kind of felt like, wow, I kind of missed out on this by being here, you know, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but you know, adoption is a gain. It's also a loss. You know, we've lost everything yes, that absolutely. came before this. And I think, you know, what could I have been? I'm not saying I would have been dancing in the Olympics if I had stayed there, but just knowing <laughs> all of that Don't sell yourself culture, short, Jen. Come on. You'll <laughs> be out there. I could have been one of those, like, tiger dancers in the middle. But, I mean, just not having experienced that and thinking, well, I never will in the same way. Because even if we go to Korea now, we're not, you know, we're not enmeshed in that culture. But but that again, yeah. That but that also, yeah. That that also is totally relatable. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. as uh, even just as a second gen, um, mm -hmm. you know, you look and you're like, well, they they seem they seem very much in their own place, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. They they seem very natural and uh, you know properly set within the larger uh, baked cake of Korea, right, or Taiwan or whatever. Yeah. Um, and things aren't so smooth in America. I mean, for me, like, I guess the way I, there, there was a time when I thought more about this, but then lately I've been like, you know, I think America's kind of like this for most people. Like, especially if you want to move to a city like New York, like, and that's kind of how I grew up. And, and it is my vision of like what, uh, being American is, 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 um, living in a plurality, in a pluralism yeah. Sure. where yeah. everyone to some extent feels out of place here. Right. And I think the current, you know, the current environment with like, you know, white identity becoming a thing again. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it it, it kind of speaks to we've talked a lot about this, Adam. Right. Like how yeah. how white identity has its own in a way also mirrors, um, say, you know, minority ethnic identity, this this kind of longing or need for it. Um, it's it's funny. Because I get what you're saying that uh, most groups in America haven't really been here that long and they have some sort of like sort of being American is, uh, is having that disjointed sort of disconnected experience. Mm -hmm. But my mom's family has been in America <laughs> for like ever. Uh, as long as you can be here without being a Native American. And, and for her, she's like, she is American. I mean, she has pride in America like mm -hmm. you would you know like what like what you see in the Korean opening ceremony like she has mm -hmm. pride so like for her there's no sense of not belonging nothing none of that like this yeah, is her country this is well. 
the, yeah, that this is who she is. Like she's from Missouri, and Time Magazine does every like five years or so uh, um, an expose on her high school because it's what America is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I think we can feel very differently on the coasts, you know, especially in a metropolitan area like New York City, where it's this melting pot. We see and hear different languages and different people and different faces every single day. You might not get that in more rural areas. And what worries me is, you know, extreme supremacist groups who think, well, this is what America is. It's a white face and that's it. And everyone else get out, go home. You know, so that does happen. I've had to go back to China screamed at me in the street and you know I, I tried to explain to white friends how that made me feel and i don't think you're going to understand that until it happens to you and it's not going to happen to someone yes i agree i agree but I, I guess what i'm trying to i guess what i'm starting to feel is that uh the 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 presence of white identity the fact that you did you do have mm-hmm. these alt-right yeah and they're young you know they're not old Right. Um, uh, suddenly, you know, trying to express pride in, in being white, uh, to me, su- su- to me, kind of suggests like you know, if you were like one of these white kids uh, growing up in, uh, I don't know, South Carolina or something in the South, uh, that maybe you do feel like you know your country's getting away from you, right? Maybe you do feel like you turn on the television and, and you don't recognize the America that's being portrayed. In the right. liberal yeah. media or whatever, sure. and everything's suddenly multicultural and it's all a liberal lie because you know, uh, it, it, who was that? Um, Adam, do you remember that? Uh, this, was, this was a long time ago, but there was that um, that picture. It, it was like the World Series, and I think like oh yeah, John City. Rocker. Yes, John Rocker. yes, exactly. And he was just kind of like disgusted and horrified and alienated when he took the supplement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just had no idea. He was like, "This isn't America." This, well, it is America, right? I mean, to me, yeah, it, really, it was. It was, yeah, it was like 1995 or 96 or something. Yeah, exactly. But it was really famous. And they event. were in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, it was, and he said racist, vile shit. The, the dude's a moron. See, that sucks. Uh, but I yeah, mean, I mean, I have no problem with pride. I have no problem with any culture having pride in their own culture. My problem is with discriminating against other ones. Right, but, right, right. And right. we've discussed a lot of this in our, you know, amongst our friends, is that. It's not necessarily fear of the pride, right? Like you're saying, Jen, it's great. Like you can have pride in being whoever you want to be, but it's the history of what that white pride meant means and what it leads to that people get, uh, it's the history of it that people get, uh, you know, scared. They're not like scared because, oh, white people like being white people. It's that when that happens, you get bad shit. But do you, do you feel any, do you feel any level of, uh, discomfort or defensiveness about, you know the 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 the, re- the political rhetoric that now goes towards uh, oftentimes a very anti-white stance that for me know, no sort of mm. no because, because I know my I know my family's not like that or, or the majority of my family they're not like that so I mean, I'm I not I, I don't feel bad are, about it there are people who are close to me that shall remain unnamed that do express some of those thoughts. And that is difficult for me because it, it makes me feel for the first time that I don't know them and I've known them my whole sure. life here. And I'm like, how is this coming out of your freaking mouth? I don't, what are you talking about? Uh, I didn't even know you held those beliefs and it's all coming out now because of the dialogue in our country and the divisiveness. Unfortunately, it just can feel like it's getting further away instead of closer. So unfortunately I do feel like I'm close to people that do have 
very difficult sort of inflammatory opinions about that. Yeah, no, it's it's tough, but you know, I think maybe it's because I'm older. Maybe if I were younger, this were happening, I'd be a lot more uh, upset about it. But I'm okay with cutting some people out of my life. Yeah, that's true too. And, I have um, felt that as I've gone along. You know, and um, you know, if it were my mom, then I might be like a lot more. Uh, <laughs> upset about it because you know i, I don't want to cut her out of my life i love yeah, the her. people i'm referring but, to i don't want to cut out of my yeah. life but we do limit our conversational yeah. topics but it's that's it's true not you know just, it's tough. but it's not not just particular individuals anymore though like i've noticed online uh that the conversation among asian americans in asian american online spaces has become a lot more let's say um radical in terms of yeah you know, politicizing ethnic identity, um, and 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 most of that is directed really um, at at wanting to separate and distinguish and confront white people and whiteness and distinguishing themselves from it. And so there's, um, I don't know. I mean, it's still a really probably a very small online subculture, but I think it's, it seems to be growing, and. You know, it 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 does to me seem. I don't know. How do you feel about it, Adam? I feel like it's 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 well, promising on some days, right? Like it's nice to see people well, take pride <laughs> in their. Uh, it, yeah, I, I'd yeah, like to see but, pride rather than shame. But on the other hand, I do I do worry about the political the political extremism of some of it. You know. Yeah. No. It. Uh, it you see all sorts and. Um, you know, as you said, I, I like the pride, but then there are certain elements where they lean into sort of this uh, extreme Asian pride element where they're sort of get into the the really weird sort of stuff uh, where they're like all Chinese people are all Koreans or all Japanese or all whoever are like perfect. Right. And um, that, that obviously that's silly. Uh, and obviously not all white people, not all of any race. Right. Um, so it, it is something to watch and to wor be worried about. Um, and being and, Asian, we, you know, we're seen as a model minority. I think there's an extra pressure upon many adoptees to be sort of the model adoptee and to be good yeah, and to yeah. be like, don't send me back. I'm great. You know, and kind of prove something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a, it, when, yeah. when in fact, though, I mean, there's a very large percentage of poverty in the Asian community that people don't realize or know about. Um, I, I've read articles about some of the reasons behind that and language barriers, people who don't go for services, so they're not registered as such. Um, but people just think all Asians are rich and, you know, have expensive cars and purses and it, it's not always the case. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and it, it, it's tough cause we're in the, we're in the middle of that. Yeah. Because that, yeah. being caught in the middle, as you are, so to speak, like it, 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 and the, and the, and the ends are kind of pulling apart. I gotta, right. I gotta feel like that's gotta be tough, right? Like to, well, and, it's, yeah, and that's, it's that's tough this conversation yeah, of like, you know, having to cut certain people out of your life, et cetera. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's tough because like politically, I'm, you know, I'm, a, and just sort of uh, from where I want to live and how I identify, you know, I, I want to live in America. I love America. Um, you know, I don't really want to live anywhere else, but you see sort of how the, the country's being pulled apart. And, you know, I think historically we're getting to a point where if you look back at the, the turn of the, into the 18th and the 19th and, uh, the early 19th century, uh, the, uh, et, et, 
there it's a similar ethnic makeup in terms of the percentage of white people versus immigrants. And then what happened was that there was, you know, a huge shift to uh, limiting immigration and there were tons of bad laws and everything. So it was a bad time to be an immigrant in America or to not be white in America. We're, we're at the, a similar point now in terms of how many uh, white people there are relative to all the other. I think it's something like you're getting to like 70% white now. And either we can go down a similar path where now you know, immigration is going to be really restricted and uh, you know it's going to be bad to be a person of color in America or worse than it <laughs> even is now. Or we're going to go down a different path. Uh, and that's where I worry because... You know, I, I, I want to stay in America, but I can't, I'm not going to feel good about it or it's not going to be good for me uh, if it goes down a similar path as it did historically. Absolutely. I feel uh, stressed about so, it. I mean, ever since yeah. we've gone into this new administration, I've felt worried. Um, I've even thought about, hey, what if I get deported or something? And that has happened to a number of adoptees. There's 30,000 yeah, adoptees yeah. who are not sure about their citizenship status, which is amazing. That's right. um, so that's come to light now. And you know, I talk to people and they're like, you, you're a citizen, you're fine. I'm like, no, nah, but I'm a minority. I don't know what's going to happen. We've seen a lot of things happen that no one expected. So I don't know if you got to see it, but there was this, there was that Joseph Kennedy, the third guy, that congressman from Massachusetts who like gave yeah. um, a response to the State of the Union. And it was, a, it was a good response. You know, he said all the good things and he, and he made DACA like a, like a big priority. Right. Uh, but, but he did this thing where it kind of shows you... Uh, like what they kind of really think, like what the sort of underlying mm -hmm. assumptions are, despite let's say quote quote good politics, was he suddenly broke into Spanish in talking to these dreamers, where yeah, said, which is really yeah. which is really strange because the whole idea of DACA and the dreamers is that they're American that they that, that they don't know their home country, so they don't really speak Spanish at home. And, yeah, you know? and, he, right. and he didn't just like start speaking in Spanish. He was like, and to all the dreamers out there. Yeah, no, it was specifically addressed to them. Spanish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh my god, like the Democratic Party can't get their fucking act together. It's just, I, again, that's another whole podcast. Yes, did you, did you get to, did you, did you see the, did you see that clip, Jen? I did not. I'm gonna look it up. Oh god. There's a good. I think it, there was a good like um, Daily Show clip around it where they. That's, that's where I saw it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it just kind of reveals, like, you know, the, the, despite the politics, despite, like, you know, st you know, taking a stance and saying we got to we got to fix the we got to fix the uh, I would, uh, you know, I would call it like a gap in the law that still there's even with the liberals, there's this assumption of foreignness. There's an assumption of like, I'm doing you a good by including you. Right. Right. I'm going to do you a good and speak Spanish, your right. mother tongue. And that's totally not what it is, right? It's it, like they it, don't it, even it, understand the issue, right? Is that they were born and raised here. They don't know yeah, Spanish. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're taking the you right side dong. of it. I'm glad that you're supporting, you know, Clean Dream and all this stuff. Sure. But it's like, why are you, you speaking know, Spanish, dude? That's interesting when people try to sort of get close to you by using something from your culture. Like, and again, I know we're not talking about dating today, but if a guy's like, oh, I've had a lot of Asian girlfriends, and you're like, yeah, not a plus for me. Thanks, dude. Yeah. That <laughs> is not saw, a positive, bro. That is saw, not a positive. <laughs> if you saw the movie Get Out, and if you didn't see Get Out, you absolutely should because it was amazing. 
Adam and I yes. went to see it together. <laughs> oh, good. So you know yeah. when when the father the father is white and he says to the black boyfriend, "Oh, I would have voted for Obama three times if I could." have. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, we talked about that. Like, oh, I know we this black about, stuff. Oh my god. Like, oh my god. Step down yeah. seriously. <laughs> there was that other part where he has that he like he shows Chris that that like little bit that he bought in Bali. And yeah. I don't know what it was. And he was like, oh, it's such a privilege Some, to yeah. sample other people's cultures. He's like, yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. It's like when you go oh into someone's God. home and they have the Chinese lacquer furniture and you're like, whoa, why? What are you doing? <laughs> right. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. I saw, uh, I was down, there was a Syrian restaurant. I live on near a, a Syrian restaurant. Um, uh, I go there just to get takeout a lot. And there was like this, you know, this happens a lot. I see this a lot. There was like this older white couple Clearly, like, NPR listening liberals, right? They had on, oh. you know, you could just tell. And they had just come back from a vacation to Morocco. And they were just engaging the shop, the restaurant owner, and all this talk about Morocco. And he's Syrian. And they were, like, trying to find that way in with him. Yeah. And you could see, right. oh, sorry, it was the waitress. And you could see her eyes just rolling, like, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. don't need to talk to me about that. You know, like, I mean, I feel well, kind yeah. of bad. And maybe, again, that's because I have white parents and we've had discussions about this. And they're trying, you know, but it's just awkward when it goes wrong, you know. It is because I think they're starting from the wrong place, right? Like, that that's the part. It's not like... you. It's not like we don't know that they're trying to be nice, right? And so sure, sure. I rarely respond to that with like, what the hell's wrong with, you know, like I'll, I'll play along because I like, hey, look, you're being nice. I'm not saying that you're not nice people, but it just reveals just like, you know, Kennedy's Spanish. It's, it just reveals yeah. this immediate assumption of, of foreignness. Like we're, we can relate, mm -hmm. but only through the means mm -hmm. in which we're different and I want credit for knowing and respecting our differences. And I'm yeah. like, I've never met you before. I don't even know who you are. Why? Why we got to start right. there, man? Stop you know, yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. That's exactly yeah. it. Like one of my one of my mom's friends or neighbors, uh, he he'll he'll talk to. Uh, we'll be at a diner and it'll be you know run by uh, you know Latinos and he'll just talk in Spanish to the waitresses. And and they're just like and they're responding to him in English, but he will not stop. He will not stop. And you're like, dude, just stop talking in Spanish. Like they speak English. Like, and then and and, and he won't stop talking to us about his time in Japan. And they're like, dude, you know I'm Korean. Like, right. what the fuck is wrong with you? But he's like a well-meaning white liberal. So right. like, you know, and well, I was just at a exhausting. Korean barbecue restaurant, and this white man was telling the Asian women at his table all these things he felt like he knew about Korea and how Korean women are and the waitress came over and he was like oh yeah don't worry she'll get everything they do that and I'm like what the fuck man <laughs> <laughs> oh god don't yeah, mansplain yeah. the culture and get it wrong too yeah <sighs> there, there are times when just like just be ignorant and that's cool you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly, just do that. exactly. It's, okay. it's better it's, it's way fine. better it's not like I'm not ignorant. I, you know, I did the same shit. I was in, uh, I remember I was in, um, I think I was in Stockholm. And I didn't realize at that time that um, Swedes actually speak better English than Americans. <laughs> I'm sure they like, do. Up and down, up and down. They speak perfect yeah, yeah. English. Uh, and it's well known. It's not like a, uh, except to me, I didn't know that. And so I'm going around and, you know, I don't know if you, you whether you do this or not. But like when I talk to someone that doesn't have, who doesn't speak good English, 
I, for some reason, make my own English worse. Right, you slow it down. Yeah, like over enunciate. Like I, I try to simplify (laughs) it by making it bad English, like as if bad English was easy. Yeah, yeah, as if bad English was easier to understand. And so I'm going around Sweden talking like an idiot. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I go up to someone and I I was asking them, you know, kind of like where the bathroom was, and I'm like, hi, like restroom, where restroom, where? Like that's not intelligible. And she's like, oh, the restroom is just go up the escalator. It's to the right. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. But that, I, but it would be the same thing if you kept on doing, like, your pidgin English. Yeah. After you realized that they spoke perfect English. If you kept doing it, that would be the same. And then complimented her on how right. amazing her English right, is. Right, right. That, that would be exactly the same situation. What are you doing working in a department store with English <laughs> that good? You should be the president right. of Sweden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wish I hope there is more dialogue between uh, uh, adoptee and non-adoptee Asian communities because oh, for sure. there yeah. is so much there is so much like gap filling that can be done you know like to me it wasn't like a prurient interest in like oh what is it like to be an adoptee and not know your parents and all no, that stuff. of course but it, not it was more like there is certain it's almost like scientific in a way in the sense that like you know your you know the adoptee experience can fill in certain gaps that. As a second gen, I, I, I myself didn't know, you know, like, same, like same the, the West way. Yang Gap. Well, I'm so glad you have this. Thanks for having me. Well, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for being on here, Jen.